Hello, I'm Luca De Giglio, and this is the Web3 in Travel podcast, where you can learn about crypto, blockchain, and how the new internet will change travel. Today, we will talk about multi-chain and cross-chain. It may seem a bit too technical, but actually choosing the chain you're working on is going to be one of your first choices, and you're going to have to do this choice repeatedly. So it's really important that you understand why there are so many chains, which are the trade-offs between chains, and et cetera, et cetera. So multi-chain. Multi-chain means that there are several blockchains. I think you are already aware of that. There is not only Bitcoin, there is not only Ethereum, there's many other blockchains. In order of total value locked, there are Ethereum with 122 billion, and then there is Terra with 14 billions. This is, you see, like 10 times less already. Uh, BSC from Binance with 12 billion, Avalanche with 10, Phantom, Solana, Polygon, Tron, Kronos, Osmosis, Polkadot, Harmony One, and so on. So as you can see, the biggest one is Ethereum, which is 10 times bigger than the second one and 100 times bigger than the 10th one. So the space is mostly in the hands of Ethereum right now. And one of the first things you notice when you get into blockchains is how expensive Ethereum is. So why is Ethereum first when it is so expensive? Many people dismiss Ethereum because you know they try to make uh, a swap on I don't know Uniswap for hundred dollars and the fee is hundred dollars, so it doesn't make any sense. And the first reaction is, okay, Ethereum is unusable. I'm out of there. It's it's that chain because it's too expensive, and this is obviously not true. No one is forcing anyone to use Ethereum. It's not a closed system in which once you're in, you can get out. So why are people staying in Ethereum? One way to understand the trade-offs is to consider blockchains as insurances. It's very reductive. Blockchains are not about insurance, but it's a very comfortable way to look at it. So Ethereum is expensive because it's the safest. So you are paying a very expensive insurance and it makes sense if you're insuring something valuable. While it doesn't make sense at all if you are insuring something which is not valuable. So if you are transacting with very low value things, like, I don't know, an NFT for $10, you wouldn't do this in Ethereum. You'd rather lose the NFT, which is worth $10, than spend $50 in transacting it, right? In sending it or minting it, etc., etc. On the other hand, if you have a million dollars and you, I don't know, stake it to get some interest, well, who cares about $100 fees or $50 fees, right? So the market today considers Ethereum to be the safest and most secure blockchain and pays accordingly. Why would you pay a $100 transaction fee in Ethereum when you could pay for the same transaction 30 cents on BSC, Binance Smart Chain? Well, the market considers BSC to be less secure and also there are less protocols. Another aspect, the protocols on Ethereum, the apps, right, tend to be of a higher quality than the apps on Binance Smart Chain. Binance Smart Chain has attracted a different kind of developers, a different kind of tokens. It's a different ecosystem. 
Does this mean we have to do everything on Ethereum? No, there's a lot of things you wouldn't dream doing on Ethereum. Actually, at the moment, I am personally trying to get out of Ethereum and on layer twos of Ethereum. We're going to get to this later because Ethereum is just too expensive for the stuff I do. Most of the stuff I do. It is a bit like cars. Which one is the best car in the world? A Ferrari? I don't know. If I have to transport potatoes, a Ferrari is not good. It depends on what you have to do. According to what you have to do, you choose the right car. Sometimes it's a lorry, sometimes it's a fast car, sometimes it's a family car. It really depends on what you have to do. So here it works in the same way. What is your business on the blockchain? Once you define this, you try to choose the best blockchain for the job. Like one of these choices happens mostly at the beginning when you are playing with NFTs. You launch an NFT, you think about OpenSea, and you see that OpenSea supports both Ethereum and Polygon. Ethereum is very expensive. Polygon is very cheap. Okay, but Ethereum has much more money into it. So the liquidity available for NFTs on OpenSea and Ethereum is much higher than on Polygon. But then Polygon, for instance, has a, a spam problem because people are minting NFTs for free and they're sending them around. So, you know, if your NFT is worth $20, you wouldn't do this on Ethereum. If it's worth an Ether, so $3,000, maybe you'll do it on Ethereum. So it really, really depends. It, there's no final answer about that, right? And when I say we are going to be in a multi-chain world, actually, I mean, we already are in a multi-chain world. It means we are not going back to only Ethereum or only Bitcoin, where Bitcoin is doing the money thing. And Ethereum is doing the word computer thing. That's this phase is over. We have many blockchains. We're still gonna have many blockchains. And on top of that, we have all these layer twos on the original blockchain. Like Ethereum already has layer twos like uh, Arbitrum or Optimism and others. So it's not getting easier, it's getting more complicated. And again, you can see it as a complicated word or a very granular word where you can choose exactly what you need, right? Again. If you run a server for your website, if it's just a normal WordPress website, you're going to use a hosted server. If you have to run a very specific application, you probably need root access and you're going to have some kind of you know, different server set up like AWS, etc. And as it happens with coins and tokens too, right? If you get into this world and you don't do enough research, you're going to end up on stuff like Cardano. Like... Sometimes people come and say, we want to do our NFT project on Cardano, which is, well, at least in my opinion, not advisable. Well, first of all, because it has 100 million in total value locked compared to 122 billion in Ethereum or 14 billion in Terra, right? So there's no money there. And also because technically it doesn't seem to be the best um, smart contract platform. It has just launched the smart contracts. It doesn't seem to be the best. It is not compatible with all the Ethereum-based blockchains. But at the same time, it's got this incredible marketing. There's these armies of people talking about Cardano on YouTube. So if you end up in YouTube, you may have the impression that Cardano is a serious contender in the smart contract space but basically it's just a very good marketing marketed uh, chain which distorts like you, you have a lot of distortion in information uh, in blockchains 
So when you choose a blockchain for your project, you have to consider not only how safe it is, so the insurance angle, you have to consider how much money there is in it. And again, the most money is in Ethereum right now. But hey, uh, 14 billion in Terra would, could be enough for what you're doing, right? If you try to attract sales and, and liquidity in other ways. You have to consider what kind of users are there. As I was saying, BSC attracts a certain kind of more speculative users. Solana is a very specific kind of user. So you have to know who is in these blockchains. Because once you choose the blockchain, you've basically chosen the market. And once you've done that, it's not that easy to you know, go on other blockchains at the same time. You're going to spread to team. So it's a very, very critical decision to be taken after careful consideration. Now, you may say, well, what's the point? I'm just going to build on a blockchain and then we're going to be multi-chain, actually, sorry, cross-chain, because we're going to use bridges. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because there are two schools of thought here. One is the multi-chain approach and one is the cross-chain approach. The main difference being multi-chain means you get in a chain and you live there. You don't live. It's like a country. You go to live in a country and you stay there. That's your market. That's your framework. And the other approach is cross-chain. Say, well, you know, I'm going to open shop in Germany. That's a European Union. So it doesn't matter. I'm going to be able to commerce with the whole European Union in a frictionless way. And this is the cross-chain approach in which it doesn't matter on what chain you are, you can always easily cross-chain through bridges to other chains. So let's say you launch your NFT on Polygon and then you see that there's a great market and opportunities in Terra, you're just going to bridge your NFTs or give a bridge to your users to get them on, on Terra and sell them on Terra, right? And this seems to be, at least from what I gathered so far, a very dangerous approach because you are counting on bridges. So let's talk about bridges for a while. Let's say that you have an ETH in the Ethereum network, but you want to use it in the Solana network. You are going to deposit this ETH in a Solana ETH bridge. And then the Solana ETH bridge is going to give you Ether on the other side, something like a Solana Ether. So now you have Solana Ether, which works on the Solana network, and you start, I don't know, borrowing and exchanging it in the Solana network. And everything seems fine because you have passed the bridge. Now, bridge is not a precise term. When you pass a bridge, once you passed it, you fine. If the bridge collapses, you're still fine. But these are not really bridges. These are places where you deposit your original ETH and you get a Solana version of it. If the bridge collapses, you fall too. So you basically left your real money in a way on the bridge. And if the bridge falls down, your money falls in the river together with the bridge. So it's not really a bridge. It's like a bank where you leave your money, they give you something in exchange which is guaranteed as a collateral it's a guaranteed with the collateral you left right so when you bridge over to another blockchain you are now doubling your risk because ethereum may go down let's say that ethereum that the whole blockchain goes bust and your eth on solana will be worth nothing or the bridge loses the money so the eth you have on solana is not is not covered anymore collateralized by the original ETH. And many of these bridges are protected by a multisig, which means 
I don't know, five people have signature power and you just need three of them to basically move the money. So you have a third-party risk in which if three people collude, they could take away all the money. Polygon is a very famous example here. Polygon has billions of dollars, about $5 billion, and they are secured by a multi-chain. So there's, I think, six people out there who could still hold the money. Are they incentivized to do it? Probably not. But the higher this value goes, the, the higher the risk. There could be you know, even some state attack in which they kidnap one of them or two of them and they say, okay, now if you don't give us the keys, uh, you're going to stay in prison forever. So you are risking when you are using a bridge at all times. And it is really hard to assess how much risk it is. Um, few people really think about these things and everything is fine until it's not. And we go back to the insurance thing, right? So everything is fine. Every blockchain is great. Every blockchain is cheaper and faster than Ethereum until you realize that you had less security and you lost everything, which doesn't mean you will lose everything, but you should at least be aware of the risks you're taking, right? Um, cheap and fast blockchains have trade-offs. And the trade-off often is in the security. Will we break this trilemma? Will we find a, a blockchain which is cheap, fast, and secure? Hopefully, but it's a trilemma. It's not supposed to be solved. It's always a trade-off. Of course, we are getting faster and cheaper and better blockchains every day. We're going to get to a much better place, but there are risks involved. So now if you ask me multi-chain or cross-chain, I will go 100% multi-chain. The other day, there was this uh, bridge from Ethereum to Solana. I haven't done this example by, by chance, called Wormhole, which had inside over $300 million worth of ETH. So people put their ETH from Ethereum on the, on the bridge, and then they got the Ethereum on Solana. And all this money is gone. It's been attacked. Somebody stole $325 million. The moment this ETH was stolen, the ETH on Solana was worthless because there was no money baking it. So what happened is that some investors, you know, Solana is, is a VC chain in a way. There's money from venture capital all over. Somebody filled the hole. Somebody put both or had ETH and they put it back in the bridge, right? So everyone was fine, at least for now. Who knows what's going to happen in the future? But that comes to prove once again that bridges are really dangerous. So it may, it may be safer to think about the future of blockchains as, as multi-chains and not cross-chains, which doesn't mean you have to yourself as a person or as a company only operate in one blockchain. You can operate in several blockchains separately. But when you build something, you probably should not assume that your users have to bridge from a chain to the other, but rather give access to users inside chains, different chains to your app. So your app could be used on several blockchains. You saw this on OpenSea, where you can operate on Ethereum, or you can operate on Polygon and a couple of other blockchains and more to come for sure. Um, so the, the app is basically telling you, we work on several different blockchains, right? It's like a bank saying we work in different countries, but you don't need to send money from a country to the other. Just, you know, you are in a country, operate there, that's it. But one thing you wouldn't do is to cross 
uh, your NFT from Polygon to Ethereum and vice versa, this is not something which you are supposed to do. Will it happen? Yes, it will. But you know, at least you have to know that you are exposing yourself to bridging risk. And this is my analysis on the situation of you know, multi-chains today. Maybe in a year or five years, we're going to have perfect bridges, completely trustless bridges. We already have some in which basically you're not trusting people, but trusting the code. And the code has been battle hardened for years with lots of money in it. And we can be we can feel safe that uh, they are they are okay, right? There's no risk or a very limited risk. There is always risk in software, but you know it gets to a point where it, it is low enough to to let you you know operate some kind of um, use cases. Another approach which we are seeing growing a lot in 2022 seems to be the year for this is layer twos. Layer twos are kind of blockchains on top of blockchains in the same blockchain. So let's talk about Ethereum. Ethereum is the settlement layer, the very expensive one, but you can bridge over your ETH and other assets to layer twos like Arbitrum, Optimism, and many other layer two solutions. This is different than bridging from a chain to the other. This is bridging within the chain and the bridges are safer. Why are they safer? Because if you leave your money on the bridge and the bridge collapses or the layer two collapses, you can still bring back your ETH to the Ethereum network. You still maintain control of those ETH. So everything can go wrong on the other side of the bridge and on the bridge, but you don't lose your money. So it's a different risk profile. There are still risks, even you know, these layer twos are new. There could be bugs. There probably are bugs. And if you put your money there, you may lose it. So all this is very experimental. Never put money, more money than you can lose. In general, in blockchains today, this is still valid. You never put more money than you can lose. Blockchains are really still experimental. No matter how solid they look, no matter how much institutional money gets in, this is very quickly evolving technology. It's software. It always has bags. So be careful with it. To sum it up, my bet, and I'm just one guy on a podcast, is multi-chain and layer twos for uh, scalability. So some projects will be done on some, some layer ones, so blockchains. Some other projects will be done on layer twos. It really depends on the project. How to know which ones are the best? Well, it's difficult. It's difficult because these are, again, evolving very quickly. You have this new layer one, which seems to have solved the trilemma, and it's hard to judge. And the truth is, is you never know. It's not in our power to forecast how well Phantom will do, how well BSC will do, how safe they are. This is really difficult stuff. We can sort of understand how safe they are today, but we don't know later. Because, for instance, a blockchain which gets more value locked gets more dangerous because the hacker has more incentive to hack it. And at the same time, as time passes by without a hack, it gets safer because it's proven that it can keep safe more money. So how do you make these choices? Well, you just make a choice based on how critical security is for you, you hope for the best, and you know that you are in a very experimental environment. In the long term, all these decisions will go behind the scenes. Blockchains will go behind the scenes. You will use an, an app and you won't even know on which blockchain 
grunts, or maybe you will know it, but you won't care. It's like today, you don't really care about internet protocols, what servers are being used, and all these very technical things. It goes behind the scenes. And once it goes behind the scenes, it gets safer. And maybe we're going to have better security, better backup in case of hacks, etc., etc. One thing we are doing at Trips to learn this is we launched our Little Traveler project on, on a multi-chain approach. So we, we launched it on Ethereum and Polygon. And we are planning to launch it on eight more blockchains. So for a total of 10 in the upcoming months and years, which means we have started a multi-year, multi-chain uh, journey in which we will learn. It's the only way to learn these things, unless, you know, reading a lot. The best thing, at least, you know, in my experience is just to do these things and to get deep into this. So we will learn and we will probably at the end of this process, when we're going to have, when we're going to launch a new app, we will know which chain is best for that use case. So let's this from the applications. So the, the protocols point of view, I'm going to check DeFi Lama is a website lots of statistics about blockchains and there is a page which is well the overview in which it shows us the protocols in order of total value locked so the biggest ones and on which blockchains they run and we could see this like i see in in a few years the travel industry will have the same we will have a page in which we see okay this specific protocol for the travel industry has so much money locked in and it works on three different blockchains. So the biggest protocol ever here is Curve, CRV. It has $19 billion total value locked, and it works on eight different blockchains. So you see, if you are on many blockchains, you get more liquidity because each blockchain has a certain amount of liquidity. And we've seen this before. Ethereum is the biggest one, but it doesn't mean you can just stay on Ethereum. Some people won't touch it. So Curve is on Ethereum, Avalanche, Phantom, Polygon, Arbitrum, the layer two of Ethereum, Gnosis chain, which is the former XDAI chain, Harmony One, and Optimism, another layer two protocol. Then we have MakerDAO. MakerDAO is the protocol which supports the DAI stablecoin. And MakerDAO is only on Ethereum. Why? Well, because they need 100% security. They can't afford to risk on, on different blockchains. The DAI token, on the other hand, is on several blockchains already. Then we have Convex Finance, only Ethereum, Aave, Ethereum, Polygon, Avalanche. At the fifth place, we have WBTC, which is a bridge from Bitcoin to an Ethereum Bitcoin token. So you put some Bitcoin in this bridge and you have Bitcoin on Ethereum and you can start using it on DeFi for lending, borrowing, exchanges, etc., etc. This one is only on Ethereum. Then you have Lido or Lido where you can stake your ETH and get 4 or 5% a year in, uh, in rewards. And Lido works on Ethereum, Solana, and Terra. Uniswap, surprisingly, is pretty low. It's on the eighth position. They are on... Ethereum, a couple of layer twos in Ethereum, and more recently on Polygon. And Polygon was added through a vote of the uni token holders. That was very interesting. So this decentralized protocol choose to go on Polygon because the users who got the token, and you may remember it's been airdropped in September 2020, 
they voted to go on Polygon and I personally added a pool there for the TRIPS token. And it's very good because you can use Uniswap V3, which is a very advanced DEX nobody else has. Everybody's still using the Uniswap V2 fork. And I could use it on Uniswap and I would never been able to use it on, uh, on Ethereum because the fees are too expensive. So let's dream a little bit. Now, th this page in five or 10 years from now, you're going to have Airbnb, maybe, I don't know, first position working on five different blockchains or Booking.com working on Ethereum and only layer twos on Ethereum. Or more probably, these big companies like Expedia on its own blockchain. Because I think these centralized companies will try to control the blockchain they are on, a bit like Axie Infinity, the player to earn game, built their own specific blockchain for their own specific game. Like building your own highway infrastructure where only your cars and your lorries can run. Or who knows what the situation will be when the, the travel world will be on, on Web3 completely. We may have a complete different situation from the blockchain point of view. But again, I think it's going to go really behind the scenes. So users won't really know or won't really worry about the kind of blockchain they're using. So let's sum it up. Um, we are in a multi-chain world. When you are going to use some protocol in the travel world or you're going to build something in the travel world, you are going to have to decide which blockchain is the best. And you are going to have to consider several aspects. First of all, the security, then the fees and the speed. There is no perfect answer. It's going to be a tough decision, but you're going to have to make it. You're going to have to stick to it. If you're going to have a cross-chain approach, consider the risk of bridges. If you're going to have a multi-chain approach, consider that every chain is its own little word separated from the rest. And that's all about multi-chains and cross-chains for me today. So this is the 16th episode. I think we laid down all the basics or at least most of the basics. It's probably time to start a little segment called Web3 in Travel News. So what happened in the last week? There's not really much happening yet, but it's, it's starting and it's probably going to grow. So let's start today. What do you think? A couple of things happened last week in, in Web3 in Travel, and one is what we did at Trips. We launched our Little Traveler PFP project. I talked about it. And the other thing which happened is the Travala Tigers NFT happened too. I think I mentioned it last time too. So they both happened last week. And you have now two PFP projects when there were zero before in the travel industry. So that's, that's some news. These are two different projects. The Little Traveler is open to everyone. It's Onit and Polygon. You can mint them. You can even mint them for free on it, and you have to pay the gas. The Travala Tiger NFT, uh, PFP NFT project is reserved to, I think, people who hold a certain amount of the Travala token. And both of these projects are going to end up on the uh, secondary market. Actually, the Little Traveler is already on the secondary market, but you know you wouldn't buy one for somebody else because you can still mint them. Or you could buy one if you really like one, like if it's something you really like. And the only way to get it is to make an offer to somebody else. 
I'm not sure if the Travala Tigers are on the secondary market yet. If you get one, you get several discounts and advantages in the Travala environment. So check them out. Yeah, and that's all for now. Not a lot, but it's more than nothing. We used to have nothing in terms of uh, Web3 in travel apps being launched. So please let me know if you hear about things which are interesting. I'm, I really want to keep this segment alive for the next episode. So we all are on top of things. And it's really easy to miss something. So yeah, please let me know. All right, this is the end of today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. For more insights on Web3, follow me on Twitter at TripLuca, T-R-I-P-L-U-C-A, and see you next time.